Welcome to Changeling Cast, the podcast dedicated to reading and dissecting urban fantasy, paranormal, and speculative romance series. I'm your host, Mara, from the YouTube channel Books Like Woe, and this season we are making our way through Nalini Singh's Psy Changeling series. novella catch-up day here on Changeling Cast because we are catching up with 2.5 and 3.5 in the Side Changeling series, both of which are novellas, the first of which is called Echo of Silence, featuring a Psy character along with a human character, and then Stroke of Enticement, which features a Changeling character with a human character. And there's some interesting parallels between these two stories, most notably TK's TK size acting in a heroic manner. Uh, and I actually quite like both of these novellas. I will say Stroke of Enticement is one of my ones that I've reread more frequently in the series because it is in that uh, bind up I mentioned the last time we were talking about novellas called Wild Invitation, which as a whole, just I, I really enjoy all four of the novellas in there. And uh, it is one of my, my favorite little collections in the series. But uh, before we get into talking about the novellas, I did just want to mention a quick logistics note, which is that I am slightly changing how I'm publishing these podcasts to YouTube. So I am no longer like, I don't want to get into the full technical details of all of this, but basically just like from an algorithm perspective, the fact that Changeling Cast is something different than what is normally on my channel, it's like a whole thing with how YouTube treats it. So to try to circumvent that, I am going to start posting these episodes into the Changeling Cast playlist that I have on YouTube, but it will not be officially published. So it will be unlisted on there. What that means for those of you who are mostly listening through the YouTube channel, Basically, you're just you're not going to get a notification anymore. So you're going to need to go to the Changeling Cast playlist to find the episode, but it will still be there at the same time. Actually, I probably will go ahead and post it as soon as I have it ready. So it may even be earlier than you're normally getting it. And uh, yeah, basically, I think that this is a good way to sort of thread the needle of um, you guys having access to it on YouTube if you want it, but it not messing up algorithm things for the channel as a whole. So I will do that for any of my episodes where I do not have a guest. If I have a guest, I'll go ahead and publish it. Um, but anyway, don't know how many of you care about those logistics, but I did just want to share that before I pulled the trigger on going that route. So with that being said, let's start with Echo of Silence. So Echo of Silence is a pretty interesting novella because it is in a collection called Wild Embrace that came out, you know, pretty late in the series. I mean, I guess that's sort of hard to say for sure, just because we're still waiting for the series to wrap up as a whole. But it wasn't kind of one of the earlier collections, but it contains a story that happens in the series chronology pretty early. This happens before Judd and Brenna's book, but after Vaughn and Faith's. And part of what's interesting is that this is actually the first introduction of a worldwide changeling organization that is called Black Sea. And Black Sea is basically the pack that anybody who's a water changeling belongs to. So like, I don't know, octopus changelings, shark changelings, sea snake changelings, 
any of those, they have like a collective pack um, that is interspecies called Black Sea. And that's because the changelings who are water-based tend to be very like isolated. And this was a way of organizing and kind of getting more political power. But we don't really see Black Sea coming up until later in the series. So it was interesting to me to be reminded that actually in the chronology of the series as a whole, we actually get them established a lot earlier. And I wonder if Nalini Singh kind of wanted to set the table for them a little bit earlier than she has in the main books. And that's maybe why this novella comes when it does. I don't know. Um, but anyway, our main characters, like I mentioned, are a Psy named Stefan, who is a TK Psy, and a human named Tazia, she goes by Tazzy, who um, they are both working on this underwater, like, research station called Alaris. And basically, Stefan's job is that because he can teleport, if there was some sort of emergency, he could get everybody out. And Tazi, she is an engineer on the ship. She like takes care of the station, which side note is a recurring theme in the novellas because I can think of at least other one other one called A Declaration of Courtship where the female in the pair is a engineer who is taking care of the base. Anyway, that's f for futureness. But basically the setup here is that Stefan, you know, he's a psi, he's a loner. Um, but he lives and works on this station most of the time. And he um, is, we're kind of introduced to him and, and Tazi having a little bit of an antagonistic relationship because she is always waiting for a letter from her parents um, or from her family and it just never comes. And he kind of points this out and rubs it in her face and, and makes her mad. And what we come to find out is that Tazi comes from a very traditional family I believe it's implied it's somewhere maybe in India or Pakistan. I can't remember if it actually ever comes out and says um, exactly where her family lives. But basically, she was being kind of raised to um, be an engineer for the local water system. But she was, you know, supposed to sort of marry, marry a boy and settle down in kind of the, you know, more traditional ways of that community. And she dreamed of working on Alaris. And so she kind of ran away and her parents have just like never really forgiven her or reached out. So she feels very lonely and cut off because she feels just, you know, she's been rejected by her family. And so she always dreads, um, there's a, a policy on the ship or on the station where people have to take shore leave for at least, I think, I forget how long, but for a couple of weeks, every month or so. And so she always dreads having this come up because she doesn't really have anywhere to go. So she just sort of, you know, kind of mopes around on shore once every few weeks and, and doesn't enjoy it. But this time when she goes on shore leave, um, Stefan invites her to come with him because he is a volunteer with this international search and rescue group. And um, he is going to... Uh, help with a bunch of landslides that are sort of in the general area of where Tazi is from. And um, basically love ensues from there. <laughs> so keep in mind, this is a story where silence is still very well established. Stefan is ostensibly silent. Um, and he is, you know, in the Sinet, but he is developing this romance with Tazi. And there's just there's a few really memorable, sweet things in this one. Um, I really 
I, one of the things that really stuck out to me was this idea of, I think as Nalini Singh deepens the world and as the series goes on, we learn more and more that, you know, kind of at the beginning of the series, we have a few of these side characters who are all presented as being somewhat extraordinary in the fact that they are not perfectly silent. But I just think as this, as the series goes on, we just realize how many of these side characters are basically suffering kind of behind their own mental shields. Um, and Stefan, the reason uh, he says, you know, his silence has always been problematic um, because of this trauma that he suffered in childhood, which was basically that in his hometown, there was a landslide when he was um, very young, when he was still, you know, kind of having silence implemented upon him. And um, when the landslide happened, he kind of instinctively teleported away but his brother and his mother were killed and he kept trying to port back there, trying to teleport back there to save them and he couldn't. And that really like profoundly shaped who he is um, and also uh, is why he offers his services um, in this rescue, which Tazi notes is very unusual. The other things that I think are really sweet about this is that Tazi is very... um, you know, she's very traditional, right? So she's left her family, but she still has a lot of those same traditional values. And in the romance there, you know, he really honors the fact that she doesn't really want to be um, very intimate until something, you know, is more formal between them. In these novellas, you know, I don't know how much to really get into because a lot of what's happening is kind of just on a plot level. So I will say, I think that this is one where it suffers somewhat for the fact that Stefan is supposed to have been kind of in love with Tazi for a while. I mean, he wouldn't have had the language for it because he's been silent. And so the transition is basically from, you know, acquaintances to love. And I don't know that I fully bought Tazi falling in love with him in such a short amount of time, because while she's attracted, while she is attracted to him, I would not say that she has like, she doesn't have like strong romantic feelings for him prior to um, them having this trip together where they're both volunteering um, to help with this landslide. And, you know, I buy, by the end, of course, I buy um, the fact that they are, you know, in love and they're going to be together and whatnot. But I just, I don't know. I feel like in this one, it would have helped if maybe it had been hinted at that they were, you know, flirting or there was some sort of hint that prior to them going on this trip that they were on their way to getting at least having some sort of meaningful friendship. I don't know. I, I just think I don't totally buy that piece of it. Um, but I really just enjoyed this is one of the ones that I enjoy just on a plot level. Like I, I like the, the dynamic of them being on this volunteer trip. And that's kind of how they get to know each other um, and eventually fall in love. I really like Stefan as a, a character. I thought he was really compelling. And I just think that there's a real sweetness to the relationship between he and Tazi. This is one of the least sort of like super sexy ones. And like I said, I just think this has a lot of sweetness. I really like how um, they kind of ultimately end up being able to have a marriage in the context of Tazi's family and the reconciliation that she experiences with her family, thanks to Stefan. Um, and I, I just really, I just thought it was really sweet. Like, this is just a very sweet story. Um, I particularly love, um, he buys her this wedding outfit that he saw her admiring when they were 
uh, in this marketplace and he brings it for her so that she can wear it for their wedding, but just has to kind of be a private wedding. And I think that was the whole, um, I think that dynamic of, of a couple with a sigh and a human who, who while silence is still going and while he is still in the signet, um, are going to have to find a way to be married and have a relationship together uh, in the context of it being a secret. Like I think it's a really kind of bittersweet ending in some ways because, you know, we have an idea of how um, they're going to manage that on the station. Uh, but I just think it's, I don't know, I just felt like this was both sweet and very bittersweet. And I really love when, when they finally are getting it on um, at their wedding. He's very, you know, careful with all of her wedding garments and he looks at her and he says I'm say I want to save these for our daughters because I have to believe she won't have to marry in secret and I was just like oh, I can't this is so sweet so anyway um I I didn't pick up a lot of sort of macro themes in this other than just I really enjoyed this as sort of a thought exercise of what would romance with a sigh in the signet look like um, while silence is still in place, like he's not, the end of the story is not him, you know, escaping the signet. It's, it's how they're going to find a way to make this work while he's still in there. And I just think that that's a really compelling idea. Like I, I get why this story is included, both from the perspective of introducing Black Sea, which is going to come up more later in the series, but also just sort of as a thought experiment of what would it look like for a sigh um, to stay in the signet under silence and be in a relationship. Um, I will also just mention the hair motif is back. He is also fascinated by her hair. Um, I feel like that is a recurring theme in these books. So um, that was Echo of Silence. I would give it like three and a half stars. Like I said, I think some of the kind of setup for it, I think could have been a little bit more successful. But overall, this is just like a very sweet, a sweeter version of a side changeling story than I feel like we often get. Then we get to Stroke of Enticement, which is one of my favorite novellas in the series. Like I said, I just really love this collection as a whole. But I really love this particular one as just a great, this just reads like a contemporary romance in a lot of ways. And this is one where I think the conflict, um, or sort of like thematically, this is dealing pretty overtly with this idea of like, interracial romance in a way that I thought was was pretty interesting. So the setup for this is so this is 3.5. So this is after uh, Judd and Brenna's book. Um, and also, I should mention that the couple here, Zach and Annie, we actually see um, an allusion to their mating ceremony in the fourth book, which is Mind to Possess, which we just read last time. Um, but anyway, so this is them getting their story. And Annie is an elementary school teacher at a local school that has a lot of the Dark River cubs in it. And uh, she has a student who gets in trouble one day and he calls for his Uncle Zach to come pick him up. And hot Uncle Zach shows up with his, quote, vivid aqua-colored eyes, straight black hair cut in a careless way, copper gold skin and bones that spoke of an ancestor from one of the native tribes. So like Zach shows up and is all like, he's just, a fucking hottie, basically. And Annie is, you know, getting all, you know, worked up in her undercarriage. And uh, she, you know, basically, it comes out that the reason that um, the little boy got in trouble was that he had hurt one of the other kids, like he'd started a fight with him, which was sort of out of character for him. But he won't tell anybody why he did it. He will only tell his uncle Zach. So Zach comes and what he tells him 
is that um, this other boy was making fun of Annie because she has a, a limp. She has a leg that is um, somewhat crippled. And also that he was saying that his mom says that she's single because she's old and fat, which I take umbrage with based on the characterization of Annie. But so Zach doesn't sell out his nephew. He basically tells Annie like, hey, we are going to take care of this at home. Um, he, you know, I know what he did, but I promised I wouldn't say anything. But here, here's how he's going to be punished. But hey, we should go out sometime, basically, because by so he, you know, kind of is flirting with her. And by the end, when they're, he's walking her out to the car, he realizes that she's his mate, like he realizes it really early on, like almost from the jump. Um, and so he's, you know, he gets her to agree to go out with him the next day. Um, but Annie, her whole conflict is basically that her mother is very overprotective and like, borderline emo emotionally abusive towards her basically because when Annie was a little girl the way that she injured her leg was that they were in a train accident and her mother almost died trying to like heave the pieces of the train off of her like she was frantically trying to get um, her daughter free but the way she was actually freed was that a TK Psy little boy showed up and moved the train off of her so again we have TK side children in this one as with the last novella uh showing up trying to help people and remember this incident because it will is this foreshadowing for later on in the series um but anyway so that's how she, her leg was crippled and her mother has always just sort of seen her as less than since that happened like she's always sort of belittled her and made her feel like she wasn't capable and Annie has really had to push back against that her mother also has a very specific idea about um who Annie should date slash marry and both of her parents are you know professors and that's what she wants her mom wants for Annie is sort of like a very safe um, academic type. Uh, what we come to realize is that Annie's parents relationship is really pretty heartbreaking because her dad just he doesn't he's just completely indifferent to her mom and to her like he just treats them with a lot of casual sort of carelessness and it breaks her mom's heart every day and she just doesn't want that for Annie she doesn't really want Annie to like fall in love with someone super passionate or whatever she wants her to just not have to go through that so you know they come to a, a good mother-daughterly understanding um but the other thing that this really explores is this idea of her mom having what seems like at least a prejudice against changelings. So she doesn't, she basically doesn't really like changelings. And Annie isn't worried exactly about introducing Zach to her mom, but just she warns him of like, hey, my mom doesn't like changelings, basically. So we, we get kind of more overt sort of exploration of uh, racism in the context of side changeling and um, prejudice that different people have. So I thought that was interesting, but also I just really love this one. This is like not very angsty. This is a pretty straightforward contemporary romance novella story where there's insta-love because he pretty much immediately figures out that she's his mate. They go on this great date the next day that starts with them hiking. He's a ranger in Yosemite. And so he takes her on these like special trails. They go to a big pack sort of like picnic thing, which she doesn't realize is significant, but basically he wouldn't have taken her to this special pack location if he didn't know that she was his mate. But she goes and she sees, you know, all these people that she knows 
from the school, but also she meets his, you know, gajillion sisters. And, uh, and then they end up going to a dinner at her parents' house. Like, that's all their first date. It's very intense. Then they, you know, get it on like Donkey Kong, and it's it's real sexy. And, uh, yeah, and they, they are together. It's very, again, it's sort of like a more straightforward story within the Side Changeling verse. But I like it as sort of uh, the Side Changeling verse take on a pretty straightforward contemporary novella. I just think it, it does a very nice job of it. I really like Annie and Zach. I think they're both really just likable, lovable characters. And I just, I enjoy this one. This is just something kind of a warm, cozy blanket that I like to reread from time to time. This feels like a kind of a comfort read for me. So I always enjoy this one. Um, and I would probably give it four stars. So, you know, I give one, three and a half, one, four. We'll round up to four for this week. Four stars for these two novellas. Some interesting foreshadowing that I can't get too far into for those of you who are still reading along chronologically. But for those of you who have read the series already, I think you know what I'm getting at. Um, but yeah, there's some interesting kind of foreshadowing in these two novellas. But overall, just like a reminder that Nalini Singh is really, really good at writing novellas. And they're just enjoyable, fun. And I just, I love this world. I love these stories. But anyway, that is this week's episode. And next time we will be back for a full novel, which I believe is Hostage to Pleasure, which is Dorian and Ashaya's story. So strap in. I don't remember loving this one, but I'm going to try to go into it with an open mind. And uh, I do really like Ashaya. It's more just, I don't know. We'll see. I remember this one as being very alpha heavy in a way that I didn't love, but I will be interested to see how I do with it this time around. So I think that will do it for me for today. But yeah, if you would like to catch up with me or keep up with me, you can find me on all the social media things as Books Like Whoa, on YouTube, on Instagram, Twitter, Goodreads, all the stuff. Please take a minute to rate and review the podcast if you are enjoying it. It helps other people find it. And I will see you guys back here in two weeks for Hostage to Pleasure. Talk to you then. Bye.